My first name is Tim. I've never read Animorphs. I'm doing it now. Welcome to Minds at Yerk. I'm Tim. My name is Alex. And I'm Megan. Hey, everybody. What's Hi, going Tim. on? Hi. How are you? Both of you. Concerned? Either. Worried? Why? There's a tone. Oh, I'm one day away from vacation. So. Oh, that would explain the tone. <laughs> yeah. That is the sound of Tim struggling to cling to any and all fucks <laughs> he may currently give. <laughs> They're not many. <laughs> yeah. That's like half of one. In a corner. Okay, so, Tim building questions. Potatoes! Megan? Yes, Tim? What three villains do you most identify with? Why did you start with me? Uh, I always start with you. Do you? Okay. Well, I appreciate no, I, that. Thank you. I don't know. I was going to go back and forth on it, too. You ready for and this? why. Yeah, and why. All right. <clears throat> so the first one is the master from Doctor Who. Okay. Because the master's fucking fabulous. Yes, agreed. Sub-question, who is your favorite master? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> there is no no answer there. Question withdrawn. Thank you. <laughs> the sec- the other two, you're not going to know. Neither of you are going to know them. Okay. Uh, the second one is Marcella Riggins. Nope, yep. don't know who that Didn't is. Think oh, so. Marcy! Good old Marcy! No, you, she would never go by Marcy. <laughs> Marcy is a badass who... Gets basically mistaken, I guess, for being not an idiot, but uh, just kind of someone's wife. And then she gets this superpower where she can ruin everything she touches. And it's just amazing. What story is? This is uh, from the Villains series. Oh, okay. Appropriate. Yes. Do you know the Villains series? Have I made you I read? Don't. Yes, I've made you read Vicious. Oh, Vicious was part of the Villains series. Yes. Oh, no, I didn't know that. But yes, Vicious was very good. Vicious is very good. This is from the sequel. And the third one is Amara, also known as the Darkness. Oh, both of you are so blind. Hello, Darkness, <laughs> my old friend. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, she is the sister of God. Ah. She is, which makes her like the most powerful, one of the most powerful be- beings in all the in the universe. And like, she just wants to be fucking left alone and eat. And yet everybody's trying to like take advantage of her and get her on their side so that her power is theirs and she's fucking in love with dean winchester so all of this Ah. all of this yeah those those seem very very meg to me yeah yeah Yeah. also fuck you but (laughs) (laughs) now tim i assume you're gonna ask me who my favorite 18th century british racing horse is (laughs) um no but i'm going to google that in a minute Okay. Because I'm assuming it's somebody named Potato. But um <laughs> Yes, but it's spelled P O T O O O O O O O O. Glad you counted those O's. Nice. Yeah. There are eight right. O's, hence it's known as potatoes. Ah nice. I'm so Thank mad you. at this. <sighs> Alright, Alex. In October nineteen ninety five, this vegetable became the first to be grown in space. Potatoes. <laughs> hey, all right. 
you're so good at this. You're so good at the team building questions. Truly my forte. <laughs> All right. Before Megan has time to yell at me a bunch, because that was supremely unfair what I just did. Um, we read book number 40, which was called The Other. I made sure that I said that one right. I read the cover of the book. <laughs> Tim's like, I read the book, damn it. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and recap the story right now. Hey, Meg, Oops. when when do we tell Tim that this was Megamorphs 4? God, uh, I thought about it like four times. I'm thinking now is not the good point to tell him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Book 40. Marco is watching TV. He sees where someone has captured video of an Andalite. He goes to Axe. They realize it isn't Axe or Visser 3. This Andalite is missing their tail blade. Marco, Axe, and Tobias seek out and confront the Andalite. But it's a bigger, stronger Andalite named Gafinolin. He is protecting the tailless Andalite named Myrtle. He wants to be left alone. The Andamorphs don't do that. And Marco is taken prisoner by Gafinolin. Nan, nan. Axe helps Marco get out, but he wants to know more. He acquires a honeybee and is going to invade Gafinolin's garden greenhouse. Myrtle isn't there. The gang shows up, and Gafinolin... Why did I write this name so many times? Gafinolin spills the beans that Myrtle has been taken by Visser 3. Myrtle can't morph, so Visser 3 isn't interested. Gafinolin has Sula's disease, so Visser 3 isn't interested. Visser 3 wants Gafinolin to acquire an Andalite bandit. The gang decides to help get Myrtle back. The group morphs birds and follow Myrtle's thought speak to an abandoned train yard. Myrtle is in a U-Haul, and there is a bunch of hork The fight is on. Myrtle is rescued and says he will now spend Gafinolin's last days caring for him. Marco makes a secret visit to Myrtle and tells him to contact the Animorphs once Gafinolin is gone so that he will not be alone. And that was book 40. Now, if this very ripped Andalite pilot were in fact a Time Lord, would that make him a Gallifrey and Gafinolin again? <laughs> you know, the, the way you just said that made me think that he's about to go on a three-hour tour. Ah, yes, Gilligan the Gallifreyan. <laughs> Oh, God, why do I do this podcast? <laughs> so this one was good. This one felt episodic, like the last few have. But it also felt like I could see Myrtle again, which makes me feel like we might be a little past some of the episodic stuff. I'm hoping I see Myrtle again anyway. <laughs> I fucking want... loved this one. You want yeah. to see Marco and Wait, Myrtle sitting there playing some Call of Duty together? Yeah. yeah. Hold on, are you being sarcastic or are you being for real? Oh, I'm being dead really? serious. I fucking yeah, love this Yeah, you really one. like this yeah. one? <laughs> I, do we know? Legit. It's so uncommon at this point. I know, it really is. Like, was, for the last, like, well, 30s. Yeah, I think, like, I don't remember reading this one as a child. And so, at some point, I really did get frustrated and stopped. Yeah. Uh, and I remember last episode being like, fuck, I don't want another. And, like, I had so much fun with this book. Yeah, <laughs> Alex got um, so many text messages. <laughs> I was just glad that I was like a chapter ahead at all times, so I could be like, "Oh no, just wait for it." <laughs> this one was written by Gina Gascon, and I swear she's written a different one. Like, I don't think that's the first time we've seen that name. 
but I, I, I don't, I don't remember who Ghost wrote who or which one. But yeah, no, I like this one too. No, this is the only one she writes. Really? Yep. That name looks so familiar. Nope. This is the only one. We won't see her again, and that is kind of a shame. Because not only is this a good book, this is the best Marco book. Yeah, not gonna lie, love Marco in this book. Got a lot of feelings in this book. Red heard a lot of feelings earlier about this book. You you know what else you gotta like about Marco in this book is that he doesn't hide from the other shitty Marco stuff that he's done. You know what I'm saying? No, Marco owns up to. I mean, Marco always owns up to who he is. He's a dumbass, but and occasionally in other books, it sounds like he doesn't own up to it. But usually in his own books, like he's the first to admit, like if someone's gonna stone cold kill someone, it's going to be Marco. But I mean, not even that. Like the jokes about. You know, what, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and how he tells Axe that he's basically being a shitty ableist. Yeah, I had a lot of thoughts on that. I do wonder if this is the book where everybody started having the thoughts of, like, maybe Marco's by. Like, his reaction to this these Andalites. I, I wonder if that's why. Like, maybe he had a, a little deeper understanding of what's going on. Maybe yeah, it's did. like... It kind of skirts around that. Like, it talks a lot about, about like, being the dead kids, or the kid with a dead mom and and it kind of skirts around like i mean that he has a lot of weirdness and i kind of like i don't know maybe as like someone who's coming from the whole i've seen a lot of people talk about it i just wonder if this is where it's coming from well he's got this whole bit at the end of the book about being kind of feeling the urge to defend these two new andalites from being othered like we had a little conversation uh over messenger earlier about how either it feels really like weird and cringy and out of place or maybe just it's some sort of common ground being othered for some other reason Mm -hmm. yeah i just this book it's 99 i think i don't think we've hit 2000 yet no we have it's march 2000 when this came out and it could have been written now and i think very little changes would have been necessary to make it still feel as relevant as it does. I, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, maybe less subtext, but maybe. But I kind of like yeah. it as subtext. Like it just mostly because it made me laugh the whole time. <laughs> like I just had a conversation about all this. When you're talking about subtext, are you talking about the subtext? In terms of the two Andalites, or in terms of Marco, Marco's not canonically gay because or uh, bi because they they don't they didn't write it that way. It is something that they gotcha. said that had they done it later, they would have changed or made more obvious. But they will not retcon it. It's the subtext of the very clearly in love soulmate Andalites. Yes, Wait, are you saying that saying after the fact that a character who has no uh, grounding in the fiction of being um, of a, a member of a marginalized group is in fact a marginalized group is not good service to that community? No, I am <laughs> definitely saying that. <laughs> oh boy. Lots of thoughts. Excuse me while I subtweet J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Did you read them as gay? Um, I don't know how you wouldn't. Okay. I guess I guess you could not do that. But you have to work very hard. I mean, I can see definitely. Well, there, there's like kid- if, if you don't, if you yeah, if you don't have that sort of uh, 
lens to filter things. Yeah. Then I could see how you wouldn't. Or if you're, you know, just from uh, not, we'll say, not familiar. We'll, we'll, we'll just say that. I could see how you could do it. But no, it, it, it felt very much that way to me. But I, it's sort of the same thing that you said. Like, when there's subtext to it, I don't know, it, it feels a little more honest than if somebody just came out and said it to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does, does, does that make sense? Like, okay, I talk a lot of weird shit that I get crap for off air. Um, and I'm going to add to that and say that I don't think soulmates is technically a romantic thing. And, like, very easily can see um, the whole this is my best friend and also my soulmate kind of thing. And it being a completely platonic thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, oh, no, I could, I could agree with that. But... The way that this reads and how different it is from any other Andalite relationship and friendship that we've seen. And we're also with kids that have, well, they haven't thought their entire life, but they've been friends for, you know, Marco and Jake have been friends since diapers and um, all this other stuff. And yet they're, these two Andalites feel so much closer. Also, they have a fucking house in the suburbs with a garden greenhouse, and yeah. I love it so much. It just <laughs> makes me so happy. And I, as I kept yelling to Alex, I don't know, they're just two bachelors. They just couldn't find – it's just such an unhappy life. They can't find someone to marry. It just sucks so much. I'm glad they have a best friend to live with. I mean, this is the closest thing that Animorphs has to, like, a Victorian romance novel. Yes. And maybe that's what it is that I love about it. Because I just love... I've read enough uh, 1800s and 1700 books where it is incredibly sweet and romantic when it's, like, passing notes and things like that. And, like, the... I mean, I don't know if you guys watch any period pieces, but, like, the dance scenes in, like, a Jane Austen movie or something like that are so filled with like sexual tension like you don't have to come out and say it it's wonderful and like that is exactly this vibe where it's like mm, i'm talking to a bunch of kids it's the that's, 90s but that's that's sort of what i was getting at like if you if you come out and overtly say it it feels like it's sort of like been placed there rather than is there yes like they're trying to do Does it that make for sense? Yeah, yeah yeah how jarring was it to see a reference to spongebob apparently not very because i don't remember it <laughs> well marco was uh flipping through channels he passes over SpongeBob, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess SpongeBob did just hit 20 years. But also, I remember when SpongeBob started. I have never taken to SpongeBob. I haven't either. I hate SpongeBob with a passion. Yeah, I, I watch it, and it just doesn't, it doesn't land. I watched a lot of early SpongeBob. Um... <laughs> There's a fun concept there, early SpongeBob. SpongeBob has like, been on for the... 20 years. It's like Family Guy. But it's it's as though Spongebob has artistic phases now. It well, does. The no, creator I... died. Like, we are Did literally... He? Yeah. Oh, like, either last that. year or two years ago. Yeah, it was a yeah, thing. Oh, oh I like, do remember hearing about that. They talked was, about that on the Polygon show. Like, I don't... I, I believe it was while Spongebob was on Broadway. Yeah. Because um, it was... Uh, I have some friends that really love Spongebob. Spongebob, for me, comes on and has always come on at the time when I'm waking up in the morning. And that damn opening song forever will just be an alarm clock to me and it just doesn't matter the time of day it hurts so much i only say early spongebob because like there was definitely a period when i just stopped watching it honestly because i went off to college and didn't have cable or at least not nickelodeon or time um <laughs> also a factor 
But like, I don't know. Some of it's fun. The, the, the biggest thing for me is like, if you ask me when SpongeBob started and you ask me when this book was written. There's no overlap. I could tell you 2000 for both of them, give or take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you asked me, did you watch SpongeBob and read Animorphs at the same point in your life? I'd be like, no, of course not. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. Yeah. This happens a lot with movies and other things for me, too. <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, I know when the movie came out and I know when I saw the movie. But if you try to correlate it to some other event yeah. in my life, I'd be like, no, those two things weren't even close to each other. Yeah. I bet there's a term for that. Oh, there's definitely a term for it. Probably in German. Definitely. Probably. You're right. This book is episodic. Uh, but I, like I said, I if Myrtle shows back up again, we're planting seeds. Yeah, that'll be like good. That. And and I know that oh, Alex doesn't remember it, and it's really hard. And I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is something that will happen that we can probably trace back to this book. And I'm really excited about that. I was really excited to make that connection in my head. I'm not. Okay. That's like we'll, we'll get there. And if you go, don't realize it, then I'll point it out. It'll be fine. It'll be great. You know, we also didn't get the same sort of rehashing of Visser 3 in this one either. Because it seemed that it sort of gotten a little repetitive, the, the, the battles with Visser 3. Yeah. yeah. This one didn't have that same sort of feel to it. I'm glad Visser 3 didn't show up. Yeah. I was a little concerned that they were going to get sold out at the end. It's a weird plan. You know what? There are a couple of weird jumps in this book. And I don't know if it was because I was falling asleep in the first couple of chapters when I first started reading the book. But, uh... He Marco goes into this assumption that he's working that whatever is working with the Yerks. Galifianakis is working with the Yerks, and I was like, "Where? What? That's kind of a leap, isn't it?" Yeah, there are. You're right. There are a couple of spots early on where, I mean, it is Marco, and Marco does have a good horse sense for these things. Yes. But at the same time, like, I think the thing that I bumped into was Myrtle, who was the tip-off that there were other Andalites. They do not see Myrtle. They hear, I take care of Myrtle. But then when they go back and they regroup and they tell Jake everything, it's as though Myrtle has never existed in the conversation. Um, And it's almost, like, this is the one big criticism I think I have of this book, is it feels like they leave Myrtle out of the conversation for a certain amount of time just to have the kind of like double twist reveal of oh yeah Galafigan or whatever is Jim Gaffigan yes Jim Gaffigan is in <laughs> fact sick and dying himself right I was meaning more like Visitor 3's plan is odd oh um yeah because it's not Visitor 3's plan bring I will give him back to you if you bring me the Andalite bandits it's I will bring. I will give him back to you if you acquire a better Andalite body. Oh, see, I really did think it was like sell them out in exchange. I did too, and then it didn't seem to be the final plan. I think it was overtly acquire, yeah, a new Andalite body. Like, which I thought, I'm like, can they morph again if they nothle it into another Andalite? Only then, through Illumist bullshit. <laughs> yeah, even if they touch the cube, they wouldn't be able to do it again, right? Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Did we ever decide if a yerk can yerk a yerk? Was that a conversation that we had? Who yerks the yerkman? Yeah, I was wondering if a yerk could yerk a yerk, and then that yerk go inside another person, so you get like this weird yerkception thing, and like who would actually be driving? 
at that point would well, it be the, the double yerk. Okay. I feel like we there... have had this conversation and yerks are too small to yerk themselves. Yes, there are canonically okay. yerks. Like, or there are canonically animals that yerks cannot fit into. Remember the mechanically enhanced sharks that were yeah. modified yes. to yes. accept yerks? Yes, that's so right. The yerk can, yerks cannot yerk each other. I also get the impression that yerks are entirely a brain. Like, that their nerve system is throughout their entire body. That's a dumb thing to say. Everybody says um, that <laughs> whatever makes up a brain is kind of. Yeah, like they don't have a centralized centralized nerve system is what I'm trying to say. Given, given what a yerk is, I kind of think that even if that's not the way that is, that's kind of the way that I'm going to think about it from now on. A yerk is a decentralized nervous system yeah. wrapped around, yeah. I don't know, some like tiny organs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wears its brain on the outside. There we go. Yes, yeah, I like that, yeah. I really appreciate this as a Marco book. I think it would have also been a really great Tobias book um, because there's so much discussion of being differently abled and um, yeah. And, yeah, and that is a lot of what Tobias kind of wrestles with. Um, but I think that also would have just been something like, I think I actually probably would have rolled my eyes and been like, of course, this is a Tobias book. I actually, I, I truly appreciate Marco in this book. I think for it to work as well as a Tobias book as it does as a Marco book, we would need to have a vocabulary that we have in 2020 but did not have in 2000. I agree. I tend to like the way that Tobias interjects himself into the conversation at times, though. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's almost better getting that from an outside point of view as opposed to the inside point of view. Also, I am super, super glad because I think we made the comment that this sounded like it should have been an axe book when we talked about how there were other Andalites. I am beyond so glad that it wasn't an axe book. Yeah. Because that would have been a dumpster fire. Capital D, dumpster. (laughs) Yeah, capital D, dumpster fire. Uh, To hear his viewpoints on these basically worthless entities would have been just awful. It It is fascinating to me, though, because... I mean, I do. The, one of the things I love about this series is the fact that it takes uh, what is considered a heroic race in the universe and basically shows you why that things aren't black and white and that, that this is bullshit and and that Andalites who are considered like to be so great are really not. But that Axe has been around since book four, so we're talking thirty six plus three, thirty nine books somewhere around there with yeah. these guys. And yet still gets so black and white. Like, I mean, Axe is roughly at the oldest 16 compared to a human. And to be so damn set in your ways mm-hmm. when your best friend, your shawarm, your own, you know, whatever, yep. um, or your nephew, whatever you want to call him, is wrestling constantly with, like, who his own identity to be so quick to be like, this is trash and we're not, it's not worth my time. It's just such a weird, weird thing. I appreciate it, but I also am like, I wish Axe had matured a little bit more. I think that it's interesting, too, because Tobias is a red-tailed hawk nothlet, which is at times very convenient and very Mm -hmm. functional. Like, had it been another way, had he been an Andalite without a tail blade, you know what I'm saying? Like, how would he have viewed him? And he viewed him like garbage. Because I guess, like, that's... 
you know, the only value that an Andalite has. Like, I just, it's such an interesting concept. Like, all these things, uh, what's this, um, Galiwikic is really good at being, uh, a, f- uh, a gardener. It's so it's good. Like all these, yeah, all these other things that we're capable of being great at. Uh, he doesn't have a tail blade. You know, the other one, yeah. uh, Myrtle. Myrtle doesn't have a tail blade, so, eh, worthless. You know, it's, yeah. it, it seems like it shouldn't take him long to figure out how stupid that mindset is. Yeah. I mean... And I hope that Myrtle comes back and saves his life. <laughs> the weird thing with Axe is, like, there's a point in the series up through which, like, it feels like he is growing as a mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Like, up through the, the, they get poofed out into zero space, and he's like, nope, I will be loyal to my human friends. Right. Jake is my friend. And then from there, it's kind of like a lot of backsliding. It has been a lot of backsliding. I mean, we were told at one point that Andalites are peaceful creatures by nature. They're not, they didn't start out as warriors, and the fact that this is something that is, like, you lose your tail blade, you are shunned essentially it's weird it's just a weird dynamic but also i i I appreciate that like this is a book in early 2000 and that is talking about these things because i'm super scarred up in a lot of places and and still at 32 still go occasionally like fuck like if i wear shorts are people going to look at me weird and there are some days i don't give a shit and there are other days that i'm like "Mm, humanity sucks i'm just gonna wear leggings it's fine or dress whatever so i mean i I still appreciated this book for its um, amount of kids going like, fuck you. Their life is still worth it. I mean, the other thing, too, that I think is at play here, and this was, I I guess, going back to what you said a a few minutes ago, Meg, about, like, expecting, maybe expecting more from Axe. There's also this vibe that, like, has run through a lot of these, but I think for whatever reason was more in my face in this one. It kind of reminds me of like that realization that, oh, your parents were not infallible. Oh, your parents mm, yeah. were making it up as they go. Or like Axe having to confront, and maybe it's just how how blissfully domestic these two Andalites are. They're so wonderfully, I'm sorry, every time I interject that, but it's so wonderful. <laughs> um... But there's something about, like, maybe the reason why Axe still struggles with these learned uh, uh, biases, with these, with these, geez, what's the word I'm looking for? I think biases. Prejudices. Uh, okay. I think the reason why he reacts with these prejudices is, like, these are learned. These are normalized. Axe is the Andalite equivalent of 90s suburban kid who sees the white picket fences every day. Like, he's an Andalite latchkey kid, essentially, because of his place in life and because of the fact that even even where we've seen him grow, he's he's still learning from a different species and can distance himself by saying, this is not my culture. Like, he still hangs on to some of those prejudices, and he hasn't had the chance to be like, oh, well, I guess maybe friendship could be more important, or whatever. Maybe... Maybe love is more important than being the most powerful spacefaring race. There's no voice to tell him that that he can see himself in. I can understand that. Yeah. Doesn't it also seem like sort of the easiest writing mechanic? I hope that doesn't sound offensive. 
to anybody who may have wrote this story, but doesn't that sound like just to sort of like, if he doesn't grow up, then you get to use that as a sort of point of tension I mean, you're, in the group? You're not wrong. I just worry how much we're going to, if that is the case and it continues to be that way, how much we're going to, it, it just makes Axe like a hill of an arc rather than someone who truly grew and changed. Right. Right. And that is really unfortunate if that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there is an argument that, and I had a directing professor who talked about this and who talked about this with his acting students. Like, the idea that character development is not a straight progression. It's not you always get a little better. It is in the middle a tension between where you were and where you're going. And, like, I can see. If this is just Axe is kind of back and forth and has not internalized all the way, sure, that's the narrative of character development. If he is still, like, pulling this shit or we haven't seen him kind of internalize the character growth in the next 12 books, basically, <laughs> like, then, yeah, it is it is disappointing. Well, yeah, there's, there's also, like, how many damaged, I guess will be the word I use, physically damaged andalites has he come in contact with since this book series began i mean given that he's a child and that they were from the sounds of it like you put him in isolation and you don't fucking interact with him i mean he's probably never met anybody like there there has to be a little bit of like for him to grow he has to do this wrong stuff and people like marco have to be like dude that's dumb think about it and then hopefully in the next book, should this happen again, that's when he would be able to apply that. I do. I'd like I'd like to imagine Axe is more capable of empathy than that, but I don't know. The track record lately is yeah, not in the same of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do wonder if, given the situation, had it been Axe and Tobias, like, hey, I've taken your quote-unquote Nothlet, assuming Desert 3 doesn't realize that Tobias can morph or whatever, bring me something, you know, betray your group and, and save it yeah. if 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 he could... I, I think, I feel like Axe would immediately, or at least at one point, Axe would have immediately put aside anything that he, he felt negative towards that and would have done anything, like, for Tobias. But you know, you know why there's less value in that, though, right? And it's for the same reason we talked about. Because not only is... Tobias, someone he cares about, Tobias is functional to the group. Or at least in his eyes, functional to the group. Sure, okay, so that that's fair. But let's say, let's way. assume back before even Tobias got his morphing power back. And even then, I know he's still functional, and you're right, sure, he is sure. in a morph. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think with his human friends, yeah. he has a different morality and coding system than he does with Andalites, sure. which goes back to that black sure. and white that he seems to have and empathy would be a funny thing to when you're talking about say an alien race would you know you're not being empathetic if you weren't being empathetic empathetic is that the right word that doesn't sound right empathy is when you can understand where someone's coming from sympathy is where yeah you go i'm sorry empathy just goes i understand but if you're not if you're not applying it would you know that you're not applying it if you were completely new to this society, right? I mean, not I mean, necessarily. Uh, you, it doesn't necessarily even have to be an alien. I mean, think of yeah. the, think of people who are on the spectrum. I mean, yeah, occasionally, 
have we have to have conversations with my sister about things of like these are situations where you need to be more empathetic and this right. is why because she can't uh or, i mean she's learning and things like that but like i remember i having my first breakup and having to watch the twins and like just being and my sister just being like i don't understand just go find a new boyfriend it's fine and i'm just like you're not wrong but also <laughs> it doesn't quite work like that <laughs> So I guess it's the the challenge is is once you've sort of understood what empathy is, do you actively try to apply it or not? And this would be like again speaking from an alien outsider person. We're not necessarily talking about you know. I guess it depends on what you feel and think of empathy. If you feel like it's a worth val- yeah. worthy valuable. Yeah, sure, thing. sure, sure. And it's like uh, maybe I don't apply it right all the time because hey. From another planet, but at least if if in the next few books, X is a, trying to apply it, and especially into the situations where he's already been. Can I just get a cut of him saying that as like, what? Hey, I don't I'm always not, apply not... empathy right because I'm from another planet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would apply to way more situations than I would care to admit. <laughs> Sorry to call you out like that. You no, can cut no, it. No, fair. You it was it. fair. It was fair. Also, you called me a villain, so. Yes. I didn't. The quiz that you took that said you're a villain okay. did. Whatever. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up again. Yeah, you're welcome. The internet doesn't lie. Says the Abraham internet Lincoln. only lies. <laughs> yeah, says Abraham Lincoln. Uh. Before you stand two internets, one can only tell the truth, one can only lie. <laughs> There's a door beside each of them. One will lead to your death. The other will grant you safe passage. What do you ask the two internets to find out which door to go through? I think I know this one. I think you're supposed to ask the internet on the right what the internet on the left would say. And then? Do the opposite. Or is it? I don't know. Maybe it's not the opposite. Maybe that, that part I didn't think about too far. Yes, Tim. It's that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just save this ship. You ask each of them what the other would tell you to do, and then you do the opposite of that. Sorry, every dungeon master out there. Can't use that <laughs> I, one anymore. I am excited that we're past the 30s, because Meg has <laughs> constantly talked about the 30s, and I feel like this thing's going to swing back to real good now. I hope so. Um, yeah. I won't lie, I don't remember, I don't honestly know if I've read the books in the 40s more than once. I know I've read the last five quite a bit and i know i read the first 30 something quite a bit but i did fall off and did not come back to them until i was 18 so we will see but i really like this book and and i love just anytime we have like a side not anytime frequently we've had side andalite stories we had andalite chronicles we had work with your chronicles i love the idea that andalites really fall hard in love they're not Clearly not a race of, like, organized or um, arranged marriages or things like that. Like, Elfangor fell hard for a human. Um, I cannot remember her name. Fell hard for a hork And now we have these, like, wonderful soulmate Andalites who can fucking hear each other's thought speak no matter where they are on the planet as long as they're on the same planet. That is beautiful. I love it so much. I may not be able to hear his words, but I can hear his voice, and that's how I know he's still alive. So good. And I just, like, as much as I 
maybe I internalize a lot of that uh, rag on the Andalites because, like, they're such a fucking mess. At least they have this one great thing going for them. Like, Andalite love stories are wonderful. I'm here for it. Give me a short story collection of all these Andalites falling in love. I'm here for it. I mean, they're also all incredibly tragic if you read them all the way through. I mean... (laughs) Yes. Let's see here. We have the guy who gets plucked out of space-time so he never existed and whose son grows up without him until he dies in his arms and sends him to war to finish what he started. (laughs) You have the scientist who begrudgingly falls in love with a member of a quote-unquote lesser species who's her equal... And then a couple of times comes close to or does betray him before being trapped as a member of his species and all dying to a plague. And now you have the happiest of all of them. The two former soldiers living in exile, one of whom has a terminal illness and will outlive the other whom he cares for and who must now care for the first. Oh man, I just realized this. I this really is the hope fault this in is our not, stars, isn't it? No, I just really hope it's not like an AIDS alleg- allegory. I think it's the correct word. I I don't, I don't read it as I that. don't read it as such until no. you just said that, and then I <laughs> no the tragic I, because I don't. I think it's a genetic illness. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. I read it as more like contentions. Yeah. Sorry to add that to the conversation. I guess. In fact, <laughs> I think it is basically just space Huntingtons. That's fair. Loss of motor skills and blindness, I think, are the two main symptoms yeah. of Huntington's. And memory loss. Okay. So, Gina Gascon, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and her sister, Annette Gascon, wrote a series of teen thrillers called The Dead Time Stories. Okay. And I feel like we should read some of these Dead Time Stories. I'm game. She also wrote a, a memoir called Pagan Babies and Other Catholic Memories. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to look into getting dead time stories. Yeah, keep me posted because if you find a copy or find somewhere to buy it. Okay. Back to the is this a thinly veiled metaphor for AIDS? No, we were getting past that. I don't like well, that. No, 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 no. I wanna I wanna say something that comes out of that. Okay. The other reason I say no is because and this is a segue, because there is so much nuanced discussion of the different sort of the different things that axe is brushing up against it's not just oh hey this one andalite has lost part of his tail it's he's lost part of his tail uh gallifrey has this illness and the only way to cure it is this cause of great shame and cowardice which then like you get the great Tobias bit that's super brief, but I think would be what his entire book were about if it yeah. were written now and his of the, okay, no, but I'm a Nothlet and kind of choose that because it is so much better for me mm-hmm. than any other life. You see from both sides of Myrtle and Galafagan. I don't know. I'm just picking some random nonsense syllables at this point with G's and F's. Mine was Galley Weekage. Do you remember that beer commercial? No. No. I'll send it to you. But between Myrtle and Galapagos Penguin. <laughs> Galapagos is good. But you get each each side of it from them sort of as they have to step up and take care of each other. Like There's so much actually in play here that is nuanced and is handled well beyond it just being a like 
I don't know. He's not a good soldier, therefore he has no value. The end. Yeah. No, I truly appreciate that the message of this is is not anywhere near that and is in fact so the opposite. And it just makes me so happy. At at face value, they are two of the physically strongest looking Andalites. Yeah. Any of these guys have ever seen, Axe included. Also something something about finding shared baggage. I don't know. I just love them. Now, I can quote right, right here about looking for the baggage that matches mine, if you want. No, that's that's fine. Okay. It is interesting that he doesn't choose to become an athlete, that he would choose to die. Like, I can come from this in both angles in my head, where it's like, sure, you don't want to give up your culture and your literal body, and, you know, now you and your loved one are two different species. But also, like... And that works for a lot of people in this series, honestly. Yeah. But also, like, months. He's got months. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one, like... The one explanation that kind of is is maybe put out there and then moved past very quickly is... Axe does say, I would not consent to letting you morph me. And if he wanted to remain an Andalite, that's kind of his one shot. Yeah, that's true. It is unfortunate that Axe kind of won't give permission for that. You don't get his thoughts. I am curious, like, because they live in a house. Like, when he dies, how do you pay for said house and keep, I don't know. Somehow, like, they touched on that about him possibly winning the lottery. It sounds like he's well off somehow, one way or another. I just want the best life for these two. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know like they've suffered so fucking much i don't know the answer with most andalites in this book is they've got some patents for some things and just sit and live <laughs> off the royalties i mean they're smart enough that they could probably just hack into the bank systems or something but yeah <sighs> this is why bitcoin exists Fuck. <laughs> i was thinking they did the office space thing where they just cut off the rounded off decimals and just throw that into an account just live off the interest. There's a lot of Marco and Rachel interactions. There's actually a really nice Marco Rachel scene. Yeah. Um, where Rachel's like, "Yeah, look, much as I hate to admit you have any value, you're good at this one thing. I know you've got a plan, so just fucking tell me so we can get on with it." Yeah, like I think a lot of our complaints for the fa- past few books have been that. If it's not their book, it do- it feels like this. everybody else is weird or like pod people. And outside of the one comment that you made uh, while we were chatting earlier, Alex, like everybody feels more like themselves than normal. Yeah, e- even Jake. Like the, um, there was one point in this book where they're talking and Jake just cuts them off and he's like, yeah, whatever, let's go. And I, I that just felt like very like the way he's been yeah. lately. That felt very Jake to me. Like we're off, we're off topic here. We need to get back on it. I'm just going to cut everybody off. And, right. But I do agree with that. That this one felt the most. There was not very much Cassie in it at all. I think she had like two lines. But yeah, everybody felt like on. But they didn't make her. Yeah. No, um, they didn't do her wrong though. No, because like when she does talk, and and frequently it's about like, no, sorry, actually you're wrong. These these andalites have value like you're wrong right 
they right. it's the like right nuance. Yes. Of Agreed. like not overdoing Cassie. You want to talk about your Tobias comment earlier? What was my Tobias comment earlier? Uh, Marco says a few times that Tobias. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are a couple of points throughout, and actually, I think maybe the end of the book kind of gives us part of it. That's true. Um, there are a couple of places throughout where Marco comments that Tobias's mood has been different lately. And there's not really anything in this book that earns that for me or explains really what Marco means by that or any other recent book. I guess there have been points where Tobias has been like when Jake is going off the rails, when Marco is going off the rails in, I think it was maybe 29 and 30. Like there were points where Tobias was like making side plans and making backup plans and sort of trying to keep everything held together. But I don't see that as super, super out of character for him. The end of this book does give Tobias kind of letting Axe have it, I think in a very reasonable way uh, for some of his biases and some of his, his prejudices and bigotry. But I don't, I don't really get that comment. Meg, you suggested that Maybe it was simply referring back to the last Tobias book yeah. was being tortured. I don't know. I feels like twenty years ago. Yeah, as a reminder, we only get one axe and one Tobias book a rotation, um, which sucks. But yeah, that is the last Tobias book, and we are getting closer to his next book. So yeah, that was kind of where I was coming from. But I think you're right. I think it might be more yeah. trying to gear it to the standpoint of like this entire situation makes Tobias uncomfortable. Because there is sort of a building pressure through this that it, it would make sense if that were trying to to mm-hmm. set that up. Um, maybe it's just that that first one is, was phrased as, right. oh yeah, he's been moodier lately, or whatever. That maybe implied a little longer. I guess when you said it, I, I just the feel like it's been mentioned in other books as well, but I could be wrong. We definitely, I feel like definitely in, in the last Rachel book, there was some reference to Yeah, that's what, what I was thinking through. too. Yeah. But that was it, couched as he was tortured and I could do nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, you really can't, like. But if, if, no, if it is hinting towards something in the future, that makes me really happy. Because, like we said, that that's more means of they're a, planning? Yeah, it's more <laughs> of a move out of the episodic stuff and more into the. Each book is going to impact the next. What are we down to? The last 15? 54 plus Megamorphs plus Elemis Chronicles, so 16. Yeah. So at some point we are hitting a final arc. Is it? Is there four Megamorphs or three? Four Megamorphs. Four. The next one we're is number four. Is it four? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I don't remember. Number That's one like... was when Rachel lost her memory. Number two, dinosaurs. Number three, time jumps. Okay. Number three was the John Barrowman one. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> John Barrowman. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to Alex's animal fact. Yes, Alex has animal facts. Uh, not at all hastily found while we were recording or anything. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to rush you. Lizards develop new love language. Animal chemical signals shift. Chemical signals shift after only four generations. Wait, what? So. <laughs> sorry i think i got stuck at one part of that and then you finished it and i was like ah, that didn't make any sense to me right. just repeat what you said i'm gonna please. give it to you again and see if it works any better this time ready okay 
Lizards develop new love language. Animal chemical signals shift after only four generations. That is such a weird... Like, what? So, the the love language thing is a little wonky. And I'm gonna just do a lot of paraphrasing of this You know what it does? It sounds like two separate titles. Yeah, it's like animal chemical thing is like different. Does it does it help that there's a colon four in generations? The yes. No, it doesn't. Um because like Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> because I have a really hard time with the colon semicolon thing. He does. I do. Fine. It's bad. It's bad. Right. You're well, great at Oxford commas though. We'll, I am. I am good at that. We'll talk mechanics of language <laughs> later, uh if you want. But <laughs> it's all made up and the exclamation points don't matter. I I do. I do. I do want to do cool. that. Um, okay. So I guess let's just unpack this. It's a study no, of lizards. I'm sorry. No, I, I have a degree in English and I'm still telling you this is a fucking weird sentence. <laughs> I mean, it's, I like, thought you were going to yell at me for wanting to talk about it it's, later. It's a, it's, no, no, no. It's a I mean, like, headline, not it's a fine. sentence, I can, if that helps. Whatever. It's still weird. <laughs> okay. It's a headline, not The sentence. colon doesn't help. The colon, I assumed, was there. But... I don't know. Read the article. <laughs> the colon so, I assumed was there. Yes, I know how to write a header. I know how to. I worked on the school newspaper in college. That's the title like, of my autobiography. All right. So this is a study of of chemical communication in lizards, uh, in which a Gian wall lizards, Podarsis erhardi, if you want the uh, Latin name were studied under two separate sets of conditions. One was put on a test island full of predators. Not aliens versus predator, Tim. You don't know. You weren't there. Well, you got me. (laughs) The others were placed on predator-free islands. Just aliens. Yes. On the predator-free islands, in four generations, lizards had developed new chemical markers related to mating behaviors to mate and reproduce that they did not develop on the predator-infested islands. Because, typically speaking, uh, the, the secretions, the pheromone and chemical secretions related to mating are actually huge signals to predators that there is prey. So really what the study is getting down to is actually how quick, without predation, uh, species that use chemical signaling, in this case lizard species that use chemical signaling, can develop newer and more effective chemical signals when they don't have risk in doing so. That makes perfect sense once it's explained. In other words, lizards develop new love language. Animal chemical signals shift after only four generations. No, I still hate it. I still hate that. It's such a bad headline. I'm chemical sorry. communication sounds like an innuendo to me. All right, so I will say it's not a great headline. I might need you to explain that. It's... We'll, we'll do it later when we have the colon conversation. Okay. Um, something, something in your endo. Anyway. Um... <laughs> I was going with, to say something about like... Prune and cranberry juice, but it's fine. I, <laughs> with whatever. I will grant you that it's a bad, like, 
Here are some scientists who did not take enough liberal arts credits. Headline. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite things about being an English major was, like, coming up with titles of papers. It was so much fun. Like, I go back and occasionally reread it. Apparently, I wrote a really long paper on H1N1 where I was super angry with how my college was handling it. Don't remember it. Don't remember H1N1 really at all. But it's fine. Um... But my senior thesis paper is still my favorite headline of ever uh, title of anything that I've ever written. That's all. And it was. Oh, I don't remember off the top of okay. my head, but it's a Doctor Who reference. Ah. I am only going to text Megan using colons now. Okay, then and I will I, respond with semicolons, and we'll I, see how long it takes <laughs> you to realize how they should oh. be used appropriately. Oh, I was about to say it, it might be twenty years before I send you a correct one if we just wait on my own devices for <laughs> me to get around to it. <laughs> I will, I'm sure, uh, maybe there wasn't. No, there is no Schoolhouse Rock on punctuation, is there? I don't know. I'm sure there's something that equates, though, right? Somewhere there's a Schoolhouse Rock composer who has notes for colon rock and is not (laughs) sure if it belongs in the science or English rock. Uh, Do we have any questions, comments? Concerns? No. Concerns. Uh, I was too busy, like, squeeing over the gay and delight couple that I forgot to post something on Twitter. <laughs> also, I was a little concerned that I was reading too much into this, but... Uh, no, you weren't. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was... I'm not gonna lie, I was really curious how Tim was gonna take away from you, this. You mentioned something as we were getting set up to record about a letter by Michael Oh, Hunt. yeah, so... Um, usually before we record, I double check the Animorphs Wikipedia site, um, for extra trivia and things like that, because I can't always get, um, the old Animorphs database to open my computer. Um, and apparently in 2015, Michael Grant wrote this long, um, letter. Essentially it's to a bunch, it's like an open letter. Uh, he was going through something on Twitter. I don't know the entire situation. Um, love Michael Grant. Occasionally he says things that um, are a little too blunt. Don't relate to that at all. No. No concept of that. Uh Uh-uh. Don't understand that. Um, But a lot of, apparently, after what he said, a lot of people on Twitter went after him um, about diversity. And this was essentially him going, I've written 150 books. Let's lay out what diversity I've done. And what research I've done and gone into and that and everything. And it did confirm the fact that this is a gay and delight couple. Like that was the entire intent. Uh, which I appreciated. Like I like like Alex alluded to earlier, um having JK Rowling sit there and act like she did all these things that it very clearly didn't. Um it I can get a little gun shy, I guess, about like assuming that an author meant to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, and like this feels like writers going as far as they could under like the editorial standards and practices requirements of the right. day for a children's yes. book, right? Versus yeah. Harry Potter wasn't that much later, but like at that point, it was Harry Potter. She could have gotten away with murder if she'd wanted. Harry Potter overlapped this because I moved to the state that you live in in 98 was still pen pals with my friends from my home state and remember when 
I remember the letter I got where it was like, oh, we don't read any Animorphs anymore. We read Harry Potter and me going, fuck Harry Potter. <laughs> Animorphs is better. Never reading that shit. So I de- it, it overlapped. I mean, by this point, no, no. I think book three was out, three or four. For sure. What what I mean is just like the, the Dumbledore rhetoric when the last oh, no. one came out. The Dumbledore stuff didn't start like the... Dumbledore is gay. I mean, if you read book seven, I think it is very clear. Um, but the whole like discussion about it didn't happen until movie five came out. Gotcha. Which was years, two or three years after yeah. book the book series was done. So um no, I Dumbledore, I think she truly intended and and tried to code it and maybe failed. A little at that it's a lot of other stuff that she's said and hinted at that i'm like mm, no that either you're really bad at this or you're really trying to shoehorn yeah. and stuff after the fact i will agree it was all downhill from dumbledore yeah like i i also like i don't mean to like there's 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 value in making characters relatable to all people who read it and there's value in presenting characters in a definitive way so that, you know, for, for representation purposes, this truly felt like organically there to me. Yeah. yeah I you mean, know what I'm saying? It didn't feel like, hey, let's just insert gay couple well, here. And the, yeah, that's you know? one of the best things about the series is that from book one, it is a Jewish guy. Yeah. Um, a black girl, mm-hmm. a Hispanic guy. I don't know if Rachel's supposed to, I never can remember if Rachel's actually Jewish or I not. I thought that but, you had said last time it was on Jake's other side. Yeah, I think we figured I, out Jake, that it was. I don't remember. Yeah. Jake, it, I think we figured out it was Rachel's father. It's Rachel's dad oh, and his Rachel's. dad yeah. are both. They're oh, brothers okay. and, and they're Jewish. Yeah. But, yeah. Rachel's but I don't think Rachel's practicing. Not, and is not. Right. If practicing anything is not practicing Judaism. But Rachel comes from a divorced family, which yeah. was pre- prevalent in the 90s as like a culture thing. But it wasn't prevalent in media as much. And it yeah. was still um, something that you were supposed to kind of be ashamed of if you got divorced. Yeah. Like not to call my grandmother out, but like she basically told my mom she would never remarry because she was a divorced woman with two kids. And that was 90s. So going back to what I was trying to say is that I just never feel like the diversity in the series is forced or like they're checking off boxes. Yeah. I mean, I'd describe the difference between the two Andalites in this book and Dumbledore in Deathly Hallows, which I just finished going back through, as this feels like they are writing a gay couple and doing everything short of saying, oh, hey, by the way, we're gay. Yeah. Like they are writing them this way. This is the fact of the matter. It doesn't have to be said. It's Shit's Creek, but Andalites. I do wonder if it is like I understand from a human nineties perspective of like why they didn't call it out. I wonder about Andalites' take on yeah. Home of Um Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Also everybody should watch Shit's Creek. It's so good. By comparison, like Deathly Hallows feels like Rawling is doing all kinds of work never to actually let there be anything that can be read as Dumbledore is gay explicitly. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of retconning, and we could have a really long conversation about my feelings when it comes to Deathly Hallows. I will say and I say like, this as someone who's got a tattoo of it. Sure. I mean, like, yeah. Rereading it with 
that knowledge, which I'm sure I didn't have the night it came out when I read through it. No. Um, like, I can definitely see how the the older wizard who Harry meets at the wedding at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. like, I can definitely read the between the lines, oh, no, they were not just friends. Right. I honestly don't see the Grindelwald thing at all in the text of that book. At all. It is not there. It is Oh, I thought it was, but... No. There is nothing in the Grindelwald story in that book that reads as anything other than just they knew each other for a week and both nerded out over this dark magic. It's not literally a week. It's longer, but... I'm not... I don't know when I last read Deathly Hollows, and honestly, it's... I mean, this came out ten years ago. I don't know. I don't know. All that is Uh, to say, like, for what it's worth, I do think if you're looking for it, there's something to read there in the other relationship, but I don't think it's in Grindelwald. Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, they're even playing it that way in the movies, in the the Fantastic Beast movies. Jude Law, that is the only reason to go see those Jude Law in 1920s clothes. That's all. I'm good. So good. Um, This is... Just look at the pictures. It's worth it. Definitely, I think, a better... Even if it's still being subtle, a better job. Yeah, I just, I'm glad to hear that it wasn't me looking and and seeing something that it is. Because I'll be honest, I texted Rob, uh, Robin, who is one of my oldest friends that, that read the series and was like, gay Andalites. And he's like, what? And I was like, book 40, gay Andalites. And he's like, oh yeah, I guess they are. It's like, <laughs> which comes from, I guess it just was like, went over our heads as kids. Yeah. So, which is fine. And it's also... I hope it taught the importance of friendship and that you should die for your friends, too. That is a loaded comment. I don't (laughs) know if I want to support that. It's also not the first time the book has taken... The series has taken a stance that is in a light supporting people who are gay. There's... I think it was the most... I think it was maybe the last Jake book. There was some, like, line in passing about don't be an asshole toward gay people or whatever. Yeah, I remember It was that. not much more subtle than that. It's cool. I love it. I love the series. Very excited. We're getting our Megamorphs next. I'm very excited for that. Megamorphs books are such shit shows in such the best way. Also, I read the, the description of the next Jake book. The next Jake book's a fucking weird book, too. I remember the cover. That's about it. <laughs> now I need to look at it. So, speaking of Megamorphs number four, Yes. Should I go ahead and unleash my prediction? I think you should. I think it is time. Okay. If you okay, but you cannot say it is a Megamorphs book. There will be multiple narrators. No. Like I although want. I do believe that will happen. Well, that that's, is not what. That's I'm how well, no Megamorphs works. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, which is why I won't let okay. you say that. So here's what happens: Rachel's dad is working. The Animorphs go to visit Rachel's dad, who's working, and he works in this very, very tall, high-rise building. And then they get there, and it's probably around Christmas time. And then once they get there, they <laughs> go to the Christmas. Pa- <laughs> they go to the Christmas party upstairs, and the Yerks come in <laughs> because this building is actually holding thirty million dollars in bearer bonds. But they don't. Why do the Yerks want money? I don't know. I don't know. Um, they they don't pass it off like they're going to steal the bearer bonds. 
they they pass it off like they're just committing a terrorist act because they want to get their other friends out of prison. Now, but all that's just a red herring. In this case, would you would you say cast Alan Rickman as Visser Three? I would. I think it would be the perfect Visser Three in this one. And maybe and, a young you, Bruce Willis type for Jake. I think so. I think a very young, very young Bruce Willis would would be very appropriate. Um, Timon, I, how do I would you also, not watch Brooklyn Nine Nine at this point. I would. I would very much love to see. Uh, maybe a Reginald Vell Johnson make an appearance. Now, look, he canonically also. he canonically works at the gardens now. Thank you. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so they have to fight off the Yerks, and like the FBI comes in, but they're not helpful because they don't really know what a Yerk is, and they're kind of like you know. So you're saying this very... is the book where they like announce to the world that Yerks are there. Uh no 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 because the FBI they're they're not really they're not really great at what they do they think they're great but they're not they're not like the animorphs the animorphs really uh-huh. know what's going on okay and what's the and like uh, the local police department they they don't know what's going on either what's the subtitle for this one Megamorphs four colon <laughs> expire difficultly <laughs> I think. I look forward to Megamorphs 5, Expire Difficulty with a Vengeance. <laughs> Megamorphs 6. With an anger. Live. With an anger. Live, live. <laughs> I, I love how, like, I got, like, a sentence and a half into my prediction and Alex spotted it. <laughs> like, I got nowhere with this one. I was reading what 40, book 41 was, and when Alex went, I know where you're going with this, I was like, shit, I should actually look at this. <laughs> as soon as you're like, it's around Christmas. I'm like, Tim, what are you? High rise. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> You're not going to knock a tell me me. Yeah, that's, that's yippee ki motherfucker. Now, who gets to say that? Marco. Uh, Marco, no. absolutely. No. Yippee-ki-yay, Marco fucker. <laughs> Tobias, never mind. Rachel. Oh no, that's fantastic. Rachel. It's Rachel. funniest though. Yes, from the Cassidy. only answer here is Rachel. Come on. I like Rachel. The only person who has a catchphrase. Rachel climbing through the air vent with that lighter, just like, come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. Like, yes, Actually, I, I'm all for this. I, I kind of need to see someone draw like Rachel crawling through the air vent. <laughs> that is very AKU. good. you. No, I only draw endolites. I don't draw humans. Tim, you know you're Thank wrong. You. Oh, now, hold on. Now, I, I do have to give you a little bit of side credit here, because you say you only draw shitty Andalites. I'm pretty sure you draw, drew, uh, or at least created, facilitated a shitty Shredder Tim yesterday. Now, that was not yeah, shitty. Yeah. That was uh, I, uh, high art. <laughs> Did you see um, when I put in the dis- or what uh, I put in the Discord? Um, where <laughs> you, and you weren't on the chat, but uh, there was someone posted a meme that I was like, Alex has done this. Alex, is this your shitty analyte? And he was like, no, <laughs> no, it is not. Here's mine. And it's like, it was the, is this a pigeon meme? Yeah. <laughs> and someone has like drawn, I mean, completely redrawn the thing in the same anime style, but with an andalite. Like a well-rendered yeah, andalite. good. And I'm like, well, here's Mind Mag, and it's like <laughs> kids macaroni art next to it. I mean, I have a lot of 
respect for your shitty Andalites. It's got to be very I clear. Love, I love no. the shitty Andalites. No, look. I want to make a shitty Andalite coffee table book. My favorite... <laughs> I understand... I I understand that I am putting these out there um, without any delusion about my artistic abilities. And nothing makes me happier than when someone, say, friend of the show, Ian, says... Yeah, you just do those in pen. I'm like, no, I use Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That was such a great conversation. <laughs> the limit is not what tools I have to work with. The limit is I am a terrible visual artist. <laughs> I am bad at it. But you have great vision. I, because you see these things I do not. I'm a, in order to create them. I'm a concept guy. <laughs> yeah. The ideal oh. workflow for me is I draw a shitty Andalite, then Red draws a good Andalite. And I feel like <laughs> I've contributed even though they've done all the work. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I just want to throw in here that everybody should join our Discord because it's my favorite place in the universe. Hold on. No, Alex at one point did ask you and said that this is definitely not what happens. And <laughs> did you have any other theories? And you definitely tried to escape. Oh, no, I was trying to escape to right fair, past that. To be fair. I didn't ask if he had any other theories. Oh, I just okay. told him we all knew Maybe this I just wrong. heard in my head. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though, Tim. If there were a book that you were going to get right by, like, guessing some other well-known property, this is the one. Oh, no. Raiders of the Lost Ark? Nope. You also had the right holiday pegged, even. Home Alone? No. It's a Wonderful Life. That's it. So somebody's going to see some alternative history and alternative futures, right? Oh, yeah, I guess that is. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. I didn't even think of that, huh? This is Neat. the... No. This is... This is... It's a wonderful Animorphs. Yeah. I think I might really enjoy this book, then, because I love that concept. You say that, but the last time we saw an alternate future, Rachel ate Tobias and not in the fun way. Look. <laughs> can we just get through a goddamn episode without a reference to that? Nope. <laughs> um actually while we are on the subject uh jen messaged me a few days ago to ask what would you have done if they had gotten in the first episode of alternomorphs to the construction site and then just been like peace <laughs> <laughs> and my answer was a time jump forward to rachel eating tobias i hate you so much <sighs> Be glad oh, you guys awesome. didn't do that. You know what that's I will say so is that so good. I think this is the only Megamorphs that like actually has canonically something like ways in canonically. It's not just like the summer blockbuster movie that we don't ever talk about again because they never talk about the fact that they fucking went and visited dinosaurs. Never. Ever. Oh, they, they, yeah. they mentioned it in the book. Like, okay. Two, maybe Cassie, like once ever. or something, but like, I don't know. Cassie, I guess, ha- yeah. Cassie acknowledges it occasionally. But if you had yeah. field dressed a T Rex, you would too. Yeah, yeah like that's I don't true. know. I that's guess like, I do it more than occasionally. If I yeah. suddenly went back in time and like had to like get away from dinosaurs, I feel like it's something that like I would bring up so frequently that everybody'd be like, "I'm so sick of you talking about dinosaurs. Please <laughs> stop." Remember that time a dinosaur ate us? Yes, <laughs> I'm trying to forget it. Fuck off. Like. <laughs> You haven't seen Six yet, Alex, but it's like every time someone says something, Anne Boleyn's like, you remember when my head got chopped off? And I would be like that. 
every single time someone said something, I'd be like, cool, I'm glad for your trauma. Let me tell you about the time that I had to fucking fight dinosaurs. <laughs> hey, do you know what dinosaur digestive acid feels like? Because <laughs> I do. Meg, where can people find you? Uh, Still at my blog. It's always a good place to start. Or my Twitter. Or on Discord. Where I'm hosting Jackbox and Movie Night. Cool. Alex, where can people find you? Uh, in the four walls that comprise my house and nowhere else except the grocery store for 20 minutes on Wednesday mornings. Socially distant. Uh, nice. Uh, Panelology, which is a weekly comics review podcast. Our most recent episode as we're recording this is about the 2012 Hawkeye series and is just one of the best comic books. Read it if you haven't. Listen to that. Uh, I think the most recent as this comes out will be about Rock Candy Mountain. And then the Rob Thomas, no, not that one, Robcast, which is just about to wrap up season one of Veronica Mars. Holy I shit. have been tortured by so many just absolutely brutal pop plot points for the last couple of weeks. Oh, wait, no, hang on. Also talk about how um, Robcast joined a network. Robcast joined a network. It's the Certain Point of View Network. The website is certainpov.com. There are a bunch of other podcasts there, too, that are cool and nerdy and if you go on the friends of the network page you'll see a link back to us we are their friends and they are ours because mj's also there and we love mj yes tim where can people find you got anything to promote i do i am on the most recent episode of judging book covers in which we also talk about a veronica marge property (laughs) this is assuming that i actually released that episode yeah with my two besties And I had a ton of fun recording it, and it was awesome, and Alex isn't allowed to listen now, to it yet. Now, Tim, you say you're two besties. I heard you used to be friends a long time ago, <laughs> but you haven't thought of them lately at all. Oh, well placed, Alex. So good. Yeah, that was very good. Um, I, you can also find me on some stuff that Haunted Griffin is putting out uh, in the future, and of course, in our Discord, where Meg hosts stuff. <laughs> because i'm always at work and it's really fun though for the times that i get to go do it we'd like to thank red sphinx for our show art if you're interested in getting some cool art email c.spinks.animator at gmail.com or visit chaos does art on instagram these are such weeks at minds at york on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to send us questions comments or love letters you can email us at minds at york at gmail.com <laughs> website is minds at york.com Spill Yerk. Why? E-E-R-K. They have to know that by now. If you like us and want to help us out, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Let us know if we aren't on your podcatcher of choice. And, like, seriously, let us know if you want to join the Discord, because you absolutely should join the Discord. Do you want to give us a line, Alex? I would love to. Somebody say when. When. And stepped into a kitchen straight out of Martha Stewart Living or House Beautiful or Architectural Digest. We did not talk about how much knowledge of architecture Marco possesses. Also, one of my favorite lines of this entire book. I have been Tim. My name was Alex. And I'm Megan. (laughs) (laughs) And until then, we fight.